One, two, three. Oh, I'm going with the next one. Okay. Death Clock played the first show in five years, which is huge for me. I'm I didn't even start the Death show Clock yet. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> I didn't even start the show yet. <laughs> what the hell? I thought we already did the intro. No. no. When? I never said... Fuck? I never said welcome to Red Cell Review. We've just been dicking around this whole time. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought we did the intro there. No, now we are. Right We're on. King Diamond. Oh, you fuck. I can leave that in. I don't care. I, you know what? I'm going to leave it in now. Leave the dicking around in, too. Just I'll leave them in. Two intros. Welcome to Red Salad Review. Grandma! <laughs> oh, boy. What's up, guys? What's up, Grandma? Not much. Not much. Same old, same old. Yeah, just, uh, you know, listening to some King Diamond here <laughs> as he shouts Grandma incessantly. <laughs> Nate, I heard you just said uh, same old situation, huh? <laughs> yeah, which will launch us right into the news. Motley Crue are back <laughs> with what? Def Leppard and Poison. What yeah, are you no, talking like, about? No one's heard at all, right? Nobody. Yeah, no one's ever heard this. I think we're breaking like, the news right now. Motley Crue. Oh, what? <laughs> Never Didn't heard of that up? band. Wish it was White Lion. <laughs> Didn't they break up like five, six years ago or something? Yeah. Then they blew up their breakup contract. Oh, my God. Isn't yeah. this so fucking dumb? Which at least that was a cool way of doing it. Isn't that dumb? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's dumb, but I wanted to see Motley Crue, although not with this lineup, so. You want John Karabi? No, 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 not with this, <laughs> like, show lineup. Like, I don't oh, want to oh, oh. man's opening. <laughs> no, yes, I want John. That's the only thing worse <laughs> than Fat Vince Neil. Come on. Well, you're out of luck because John part Karabi of the reason back. Vince is fat is because he ate John Karabi, unfortunately. <laughs> so that reunion's not in the cards. <laughs> Sing my songs, will you? <laughs> but he's gained like how though? He's gained like two John Garoppes. I don't know. Well, yeah, I'm sure there's a roadie or Doc McGee or somebody disappeared in there somewhere. It's like Little Shop of Horrors. They just keep feeding him crew members. <laughs> Now, now, do you think he's gaining weight because he's on some kind of medication? Probably. He's gaining weight because he's a fat piece of shit. You think so? I, I don't think it's a medication. It can't be. A, no. What would it be a medication for? Depression? Anxiety? Anything. Well, he is diabetic, isn't he? Well, if he's diabetic, then, you know, that could be another reason. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. You know I'm pretty you... sure I heard that. I remember Troy saying something like that when we talked about this like a year ago. Oh, really? I don't remember. Huh. Yeah, because you'd think he would be in better shape, you know, because if he's playing live, like, all the time, you know? Oh, wait. I mean, you know, you could live with the beer gut, honestly, if right, he would yeah. sing properly. Right. It's just yeah, he's always no, so out of breath. He's an and... inhaler between sentences. Yeah. Yeah, when they they played that song, I forget what it was on, like some award show or something, and they played, um, we did, did it last year, uh, that song, it's on YouTube, anybody can go and watch the Motley Crue YouTube uh, thing, and he didn't sing one word to that song. Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
Guys, we, we, we all need to band together and give Vince some help because life's a lot like taking a crap. Sometimes it comes out easy and sometimes you just got to give it a nice, big, hard, slimy push. <laughs> oh, I was going to say sometimes it comes out easily and sometimes it's his solo career. Oh, yeah. God, wow. No, his solo albums were so bad I forgot he even did them. But uh, the other funny Miley Crew thing is um, now all their stories about them, you know, when they were breaking up and stuff like that, when they mm-hmm. were going to sign the contracts, and everybody's, you know, all the old stories are coming back. And the one that wow. came out today was Mick Mars saying that uh, if it ever happens again, he would give everybody free concert tickets to the shows. Fantastic. So I guess everybody's I'll take them up ticket. on that. Yeah. Yep. I can and sit then, there po- poison for free. Yeah, why? If it's free, why not? If it's free, well, poison's probably going to be on first. Just show up late, or you know, go get your snacks and your drinks while they're on. I'll just get blitz before the show, (laughs) and just not remember anything until halfway through the main set. Yeah. And then uh, Nikki Six said he'd have egg on. Well, the whole band would have egg on their face if this ever happened again. So I guess they are having egg on their face. There's so much egg there. There's so much egg there. It's a quiche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I I will say it, part of the reason they're doing it is because you know Mick's getting worse and he may not ever be able to do it again. I support right. that. That's I'm, I'm kind of cool. He can do it now, and I know they all really. Enjoy well, they're going to shove a stick up his ass and work him like a like, puppet. Is actually gonna how they're going to do it this time. <laughs> going to have to stick like a freaking um, uh, you know, Mick like a, the a mop. Mick the Muppet Mars. Yeah. This is fitting here. What do you want? All right. I don't know. I'm leaving this in the show. I'm doing the podcast. Dude, I love that hat. You look like Boy George on the cover of that Culture Club record. (laughs) I'll tell you. I was thinking Devin Townsend, to be honest. (laughs) Devin Townsend? I don't know why. Yeah, but that's not not as funny as a Boy George reference. Yeah. Not at all. So all right, so what Motley, a, Motley who? What? Motley, Motley Crue? Yeah. What other news we got, Nate? Well, well Death Clock played the first show in five years. Makes wow. me real excited. I'm I didn't know they were gone. Clocketeer. Are you really? Clocketeer for life, yes. I never watched that cartoon. I thought it was a cool idea, but when I watched it, I was like, eh, who cares? You're not too into death metal either. Not really. Yeah, I like the cartoon. I never got super into the music. The most I've really listened to it is when Nate's played it for me. So Yeah. But you never listened yeah. to the se- second album either when they actually became a death metal band. No, that's, not that's really. That's different there. All right. And then next to the news, Marilyn Manson replaced Megadeth on the 2020 North American leg of the tour of Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, thank God. What a, a good well, replacement. It's... it's re- I just you know, saw him in Fargo a couple months ago. He was pretty good, but I'd much rather see Megadeth because I've already got tickets. Right. Yeah, oh, really? me too. But um, I was gonna say I haven't you seen him since two thousand three. What? Are you on the floor too? Nah, just that I'd rather see Megadeth. I haven't uh, bought Ozzy tickets. Oh, I was I thinking about it, but no. Mm-mm. Well, I mean, uh, but uh, he always put on a good show. A yeah. People will judge Marilyn Manson for a bad performance, but it's like Dave Mustaine somehow got worse at singing. It's yeah, well, he's never been a good singer anyway. No, really. not at all. No. Yeah. Glad he's pulling through with that treatment, though. That's good. Yeah, that's cool. Oh yeah, definitely. 
What else we got? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not. I recovered and so quickly too. I'm not a. I'm not a Marilyn Manson fan at all. So. I love their first albums. I know you yeah. keep saying that. Because it's all good. Right. <laughs> all right, Ex van crashed for all of those people who like the power thrash out there. Mm-hmm. And they uh, set up a Patreon to try to get a new van and U-Haul because both were ruined. Really. Yeah, and they're currently on tour with Death Angel. So if you want to help support, if anyone wants to help support that and get a great show bill out of it, I've seen both live. They both are pretty killer. Yeah. I'd help, but I'm too broke. <laughs> yep, yeah. So it's Heard on the, it's on their, uh, what's the page that that it's on? It's GoFundMe, you pro- I think it's on kick. I think it's either on Kickstarter or GoFundMe. I couldn't quite right. remember. I I'll put the article in the thing. Yeah, sure. There's probably a link to it through that article, though. I'm sure. Oh, what well, I forgot. I Children of Bodom now have to change their name. Oh as yes, well, which I find absolutely hysterical. Why is that hilarious? That's Why? the biggest Uno reverse card ever. You fire three members of your band and then you can't use the name anymore. That's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> well, I thought they, they voluntarily left. I thought you <clears throat> fired them. No, I think they just left. I think they had just Maybe. kind of agreed to leave kind of thing. I thought they had ceased to exist years ago, so this is all very interesting to me. <laughs> Seriously. I saw them a couple of years back. They were pretty good. Lost Society and Carrick Angren opened. That was a really good show. Yeah. I got a free shirt. I just found it in the pet. It's somewhere in my abyss of metal shirts. <laughs> I saw them open for a couple people years ago and didn't care for them. I think really? they're good live. I'm not a yeah. huge fan of their albums. I do. I, I like them. I have all their albums except for the last one. But they started getting kind of like weird the last couple of years. Yeah. At least they're not in flames. I see. I like them too. They're I, pretty close, though. Yeah, yeah. In in um, in they're story, close, music like, story wise, yes. At least from what in I flame, remember. Oh yeah, they're both from Sweden. Turner Bodem are from Sweden, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. Somewhere like that, and yeah. all that mellow death stuff. Yeah, right, what else? It's a shame though. You know, it's a it's a cool band name, but I I, I they probably just shortened it to like Bodum or something, or yeah. the children or something weird like that. Children, children, just call children. it children, but the in children. like a metal font. Yeah, they <laughs> should <laughs> they should shorten it to Bodo B O D O, and then all dress like killer clowns from outer space because nice. that's one of the things they say it. over and over in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Abbott got, in other news, Abbott got super drunk on stage. Oh, yes. And I thought it was going to be funny, and it was really, really depressing. <laughs> really? But oh, you watched it? Is there a video? I mean, it was funny as hell, but yeah, there's video. There's oh, video really? footage. Oh. It's, I mean, it's funny the first couple of times watching him fall off stage, but then you realize, oh, this guy's got a problem. Oh, he actually fell? Yeah. Oh, really? He couldn't do lyrics. It was like two songs in, and he had to cut the show. Wow. Yeah, I know that he had to cut the show, but I didn't know he fell and you know yeah, did stuff like that. Yeah, so, I think wow. yeah, it was it was a disaster. Maybe it was hot. Was it hot out there? Oh, was it? it was in South America. <laughs> he he was suffering from exhaustion. <laughs> you never know. That's he was you suffering know. from cold. Have you ever <laughs> dehydration? Have you ever ever worn face paint? 
Huh? Yes, it's I just, have. It's just yeah. getting into his eyes. Like, I mean, dying. King Diamond. King Diamond wakes up out of bed looking like this. Yeah. You know? He's not always just, like, you know, cooled off and, you know, ready to go. He's... Grandma! He's gonna have a drink or two to cool him down. Where's the meatloaf? <laughs> you think he eats meatloaf? Yes. <laughs> made really? from infants. <laughs> <laughs> Thought it'd be made from grandma. <laughs> push her down the stairs. Push it's grandma's down. recipe. Nice ah, this tastes like All grandma. Nice <laughs> it does taste like grandma. Yeah, grandma. <laughs> Fucking tobacco. <laughs> that's how King. That's how King quit Breaking. smoking. Is eating tobacco. Yes. <laughs> Got the red all over the face paint. <laughs> Tomato. It's like a toddler eating spaghetti. <laughs> just, just turned him into a cannibal. Nice, real nice. Hope you're proud oh, of yourself. Anything I else? Look, I, look I am. Be interested in this one. I did not put it in the group chat, but I remembered it from my notes. David Vincent's putting out an autobiography called "I Am Morbid," and it's coming oh. out in February next year. What the fuck is oh, that? Oh, that should be cool. Morbid Angel, the lead singer oh. for Morbid Angel, well, former. Former. Rob Halford's putting out a new Christmas album. Cool. Last right. one was pretty good. Probably won't buy it, but you know. And last one, I'd say not <laughs> enough with the anything. Christmas albums. <laughs> I just want to say, Bad Religions was great. Bad um, Religions Christmas album kicked ass. <laughs> and the last one, I said, um, not fest at sea is starting where, next where's year. Where's Ken so Wood? I need Mister right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were doing another guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of wiggle room here. <laughs> oh god, too funny. But what, Nate? Not fest at sea is going to be a thing next year. So, metal cruises are apparently like podcasts. Everyone's got one now. Not Didn't you have a, another uh, one um, about Lamb of God too? Oh yeah, I remember reading for Pickface yeah. now. Oh, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. Which, that would be a pretty gnarly show. Yeah, that does sound pretty good, actually. I recognize the name of the band. Industrial kind of super group. Oh, okay, that's why I recognize yeah. it. Yep. All right, is that it? My dad interviewed that guy back in the, the main guy from Pigface back in the 90s or something. Why would he do that? Because he was on um, college radio. Oh, really? But he was like late night, so he got to play all like the obscure shit. Yeah. So we should have your dad on the show instead of you. Probably. He's more qualified, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Not in this topic, but in, like, musician interviews. Yeah. Yeah. Do you stink, Rick? No, I was trying to straighten the hair. Wayne, it's called a musk. Get it right. (laughs) I wasn't sure. No, I wear deodorant. I wasn't checking myself. I was (laughs) wiping my mouth with my sleeve. (laughs) <laughs> wiping my mouth with my sleeve <laughs> alright there's just a piece of spaghetti hanging out of his beard it's a blonde <laughs> hair what are you talking about I had burritos oh boy somehow there's still spaghetti that just means it's older than the burritos <laughs> <laughs> maybe you had a spaghetti and meatball burrito that sounds, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> Don't knock it till you try it. All right, we have tried it. Yeah, whatever. You probably like chicken and waffles too, fat boy. What the hell's wrong with chicken and waffles? 
<laughs> no, I'm with Greg on this one. No fucking syrup on fried chicken. Have you ever yeah, tried it? A good fried chicken seasoning doesn't work very well with syrup. Exactly. And good fried chicken to season fried chicken. Have you ever exactly. tried Exactly. Yes, I have. And with marinated seasoned fried chicken, it's awful. Well, that I can right. see it's awful. Yeah, you don't, they don't put seasoning. Yeah, in. but if you don't season it, what's the point of fried chicken? You just put salt exactly. and pepper on it. Salt and pepper. Salt and pepper? Yeah. That doesn't get passed through the delicious grease layer. What are you talking about? <laughs> salt and fucking pepper. Uh, nah, you want to do fried chicken right, you always marinate it first. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not a big fried chicken. Well, yes, I am. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> hey, we have we have a guest on, and I'm going to give him a call. How about that? Are we ready? Is your refrigerator running? <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Excuse <laughs> me, me sir. Do you have Prince Albert's in a can? What? <laughs> 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 Uh, and uh, a, a funny story in January of 1997 we were called by the owner of the mason jar his name was Franco everybody knew, knows Franco here and he said because we were a weekend headliner already at that point and he said listen my band on Monday canceled on me is there any way you would do me a favor and just show up and play and so we thought about it and we said yeah of course we'll do it so we showed up and we did our show on Monday, and we even made a joke. We said, since it's a Monday, we're going to wear the least amount of face paint, you know, possible. So we just put a little on. We played the show. There's 30 people in the whole club, you know, and, and not much going on. But after we play, I was sitting on, on a bench, and I'm covered in blood, and I think I was smoking a cigar. And Marge comes running up to me, and she's like, uh, Franco's talking to a man who really wants to talk to you and you've got to come with me right now. And I thought, what? There's like 30 people in this whole place. So I start walking towards the bar and Franco cuts me off and he goes, listen, dude, this guy here is real and he wants to do something good for you. And I'm like, what? So I walk over there and I shake this guy's hand and he goes, hi, I'm John Baxter. I manage Rob Halford. Oh. And I'm like, whoa. And he's like, you got a hell of a band there. And I said, well, thank you very much. And he said, the problem is I'm not looking for a band. I said, well, what are you looking for? And he said, a vocalist. And I thought real quick, I thought, this guy's got Rob Holford. What the hell does he need? You know? And I'm like, so for what? And he said, for Black Sabbath. Oh. And immediately, all the I could feel all the blood rush out of my legs. You know? And I'm like, could you repeat that? And he goes, for Black Sabbath. Few people know, but Rob had joined Black Sabbath briefly. They were planning a world tour and an album. And he said, Rob and Tony Iommi had a falling out. And so the last six months, Sabbath has been auditioning guys. Tony hates them all. But I watched your whole show, and you kind of sing like Ozzy. You resemble him a little, and you move like him. Would you be interested in auditioning for Black Sabbath? Do you think you could sing that style of music? And I said, yeah, they're one of my favorite all-time bands. So... He, he called Rob, who was in L.A. at the time, right in front of me, and he said, Rob, I think I found the guy for the Sabbath gig. And I'll, this whole time, it was, like, surreal. It was like, this isn't really happening, you know. And uh, he hangs up with Rob, and he hands me his card, and he says, call me on Friday. So for four days, I barely slept. I don't know what I ate. I was, like, nervous. <laughs> And I call him on Friday, and he said, Pat, you're not going to believe what happened. And I said, what? And he said, literally a couple of days ago, 
Ozzy agreed to rejoin Sabbath and they're planning a world tour. And that's when Ozzy came back because he had been gone since 78 or 79. Nobody saw it coming. And Ozzy rejoined Sabbath and they did a, a world tour. So half of me is jumping up and down going, wow, Ozzy's back in Sabbath. And the other half of me is depressed going, man, missed an audition by that much. And I'm not saying I would have got the gig, but I'm saying it would have been a real honor to even play one song with those guys, you know, to have had the opportunity. But things happen as they should. And, you know, the world wants to see Ozzy singing with Sabbath. They don't really want to see anybody else other than Dio when he did it, you know. Mm -hmm. Tony Martin there for four albums but it really didn't do very well Ian Gillen did a good job yeah I was going to say I'd like to see Ian Gillen (laughs) well not nowadays favorite Sabbath albums of all time I love that album with Ian Gillen I have two CDs from that tour one that was in Stockholm Sweden and one in Chicago and it's the whole show with Ian Gillen singing for Sabbath and they ended each night by Sabbath playing Smoke on the Water. Yep. <laughs> God. Yeah. Cool? Um, I love Born Again. It's a great you, piece of art. You should check out the uh, the remaster series. Um, they add on the track they cut in the studio. It's called The Fallen and uh, the soundboard what? recording from them playing the uh, Reading Festival in 83. And where can I get that at? It's uh, the two-disc remaster of Born Again. They got it uh, on Amazon or, uh, you know, I we'll, to, we'll talk after the interview. <laughs> yeah, I love that record, man. Ian Gillen was great with them. Oh, me too. I thought it was, uh, it's it's my favorite Sabbath album overall. It's just, Ooh. it's awesome. Yeah, it's but. um one of my favorites too, yeah. You know, I feel like they have a great album like that from each lineup. With Ozzy, for me personally, it's the first album. I know there's uh, <clears throat> cases I'm to be made for to other records. What? Yeah. I'm almost inclined to agree, but like Master of Reality is so good, too. Well, I, I the heard grief. the first record and Paranoid first. Yeah. So Volume 4, and I love Sabotage, and I saw an interview with Sabbath and Ozzy, and they said, <laughs> that they basically don't even remember making that record because they're wow. so lazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they said they didn't care for that album, but I love Sabotage. That is probably, that's not one of my overall favorites, but I do like it. Mm-hmm. I like what came before it a little bit better, but um, I saw an interview with Geezer Butler once before that, and they recorded that album at the same time the Eagles were doing Hotel California. He said they used to have to scrape about an ounce of Coke out of the mixing board before they could even start recording. Yeah, I'm sure that was hard on them because they all liked Coke back then. Well, he said then they would snort it all up and do it all over again. Right. Right. Yeah, I liked it because that hole in the sky in it and Symptom of the Universe. And just That's some a great song. Stuff. But, you know, Sabbath was hurting back then, and they were getting ready to kick Ozzy out, and that's why on uh, Technical Ecstasy, they had Bill Ward singing a song, and Tony, you know, wanted to go in a different direction. And, um, you know, things happen as they should, I guess. And, you know, they had plenty of good success with Dio. It wasn't quite what they had with Ozzy, but 
it still did really well. No. Yeah, but Heaven and Hell is also one of the best albums they've ever Absolutely. done, too. Yeah, that's a classic. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, and it was such a such a breath of fresh air because, I mean, there's stuff I like off of both Technical Ecstasy and Never Say Die, but they're not up to par with right. previous records. I agree. I agree with that totally. Yeah, they're just not as strong. And you can kind of, you can almost feel the breakup coming, you know, in those records. Well, yeah, and you know, that's funny. It's one thing I always felt about uh, the title track to Never Say Die, you know. Everybody loves it. And here's the thing. I like it as a live song when it was done later. But the actual recorded version of the album sounds like shit. Ozzy doesn't sound like he's wants to be there. The rest of the band sounds like they're falling apart. Right. right. <laughs> right. Like and you know, the funny thing is, when you go back and look at a lot of the Sabbath albums, um, the production wasn't that great. I mean, and, and these guys probably yeah. spent a lot of money to get producers in there. And, you know, of course, the technology is better now, but people with a home studio right now can make a better sounding record than those, you know, and, and it's it's just amazing to me. Oh, yeah. It's it's pretty insane to think about, really. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't really all that long ago in the grand scheme. Right, of things. right. But, you know, things change and, and whatever. I'm glad they finally did get back together and, you know, I would have yeah. liked to have auditioned for him, but, you know, God, I love seeing Ozzy sing with Sabbath. And, you know, Marge and I went to the final tour here. And But I think, you know, I think Ozzy and, and the band are really, like they ended, you know, but you could kind of feel it, it was coming because these guys are 70 and they're tired and, you know, massive tours like that must just kill them, you know, and... Yeah. And uh, I imagine when Ozzy retires this time, he's going to stay retired because, you know, what what else can you do? I mean, you can't no. put out the power at 70 that you did when you were younger. No, not at all. What were we saying, Nate? Okay. First of all, Sabbath is probably my biggest regret that I didn't get to go see. I thought it was going to be like a kiss sort of thing because they'd already done the last tour before. But second, mm -hmm. I don't think Ozzy will ever completely retire. I think he's mm -hmm. always going to do one-off gigs and festivals and stuff like that. Because the man loves performing too much. He does. And yeah. and we all do. Like, you know, I'm 57, and I think about, you know, when I need to retire from metal. Because I don't want to stay so long that I can't do a good job anymore. And like that last uh, tour with Motley Crue, we went to that. I could not understand one word that Vince Neil was singing. Not one. You know, and, and that's sad for the, for the fans. You know, yeah. the same thing with Van Halen. Like, you know, when they tour with Rothnell, he talks the, the lyrics. And, you know, when you love certain songs by a band, you can't sing to a guy who's talking the lyrics. You can't sing along, right. you know. And, yeah, it, it comes to the point where y you have to know when you're done because you don't want your fans or your families coming up to you going, you know, dude, you, you probably should retire, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. you don't stay around so long that you can't do the job anymore. Yeah. I'd rather walk away knowing I can still do a good job and leave it, you know, like that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people can't seem to do that though. It's I, I get it. Yeah. Huh? However, 
I would like to make a point for recent Van Halen with Roth, though, because I grew up listening to those Van Halen records, and I loved them. And I had to deal with the fact that it was fucking Sammy Hagar in there, and they were playing that horrible version of what Eddie does. So when David came back in 2015, I got to see them. You know, um, he did sing. He may not have hit all the high notes, but he did at least try, and he did the whole show in a lime green laser shoot. But it was still David Lee Roth, and it was Van Halen, and it opened with Light Up the Sky, and it was awesome. Right. I saw them in 1979. Really? At the California World Music Festival at the uh, stadium in uh, in Los Angeles, and then I went to the US Festival in 1983, and um, <laughs> that's where I kind of started getting mad at Van Halen because they were the headliner. They got paid a million and a half to headline one show. They came on like an hour and a half after the Scorpions, and the Scorpions were incredible, and then they weren't very good. You know, and David talked a lot, and he he appeared to be drunk, but I don't know if, if he was or not. But just kind of sloppy. It was a really sloppy performance, and a lot of people walked out of that gig upset. You know, he claims he was hammered. Well, I think he was. Oh, yeah. He, he yeah. Fell down like, <laughs> you know, um, and that's the thing. You know, where again, I'm all for him. <laughs> But don't don't sell your fans short, man. These people were out in the heat all day. They waited for Van Halen. At least put on a professional show and then go get drunk. Because yeah. you know, these people love you and they pay the money to support you. You're living in a nice house with a nice car because of the fans. And they deserve to have a professional show. That's just my opinion. But, you know... Uh, Again, you know, I think being on stage is an honor. I don't think it's a, a right. But I've never made it, you know, big like those guys either. So, you know, maybe I'd be a complete dick if I made it. I don't know. <laughs> I hope not. I don't I think just, so. I just like the idea of Van Halen, just just David Lee Roth walking up on stage and just stating, I got it bad. So bad. Yeah. It's like when Alex Trebek reads song lyrics. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. And but you know, he was one of the best showmen ever. When when he was young, he was incredible. That guy's a oh, showman. Yeah. You know? He still is in his own way. He's got yeah, he's, he's still, got a podcast. He's still pretty entertaining though. No. Why? Yeah. Pretty eccentric yeah. still. He still got that David Lee Roth attitude. Absolutely, he does. And see, I started to get a little tired. I I hate to say this because they're one of my all-time favorite bands of any genre, which was Pantera. But the last couple of years there, and I've probably seen Pantera at least 10 times. And at the end there, Phil kept talking and talking and on stage, you know. And a little bit of talking with joking is great, but sometimes these guys just don't stop. And he just went on and on and on. Yeah. Huh? Bill was a junkie, too. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And um, so it, it really hurt the show and it hurt the band. And, the, and that's what I'm trying to say. You can't go to your job and get bombed and expect to keep your job. But for some reason, when we're in music, we take liberties and we think, oh, well, I'm up on stage so I can get as fucked up as I want. But all those people in the audience, they're paying their money. And some of them people don't have a lot of money. So... They're saving up to go to your show. 
And I just think that, you know, you got to be a little more professional. Yeah. All right. Hold on. I got to move locations. So I'll Go rejoin ahead. We're not, this ain't your show. <laughs> you got to get to the studio anyway. You guys are uh, practicing tonight, uh, you said, right? We are at 8 o'clock. Yeah, okay. Yeah, how, what time is it now over there? 7.20. Okay, so you got a little bit of time, right? I live I live close by where I rehearse, so it's no okay. problem. I didn't and and keep plus, Dan you... knows I'm doing this, so. All right, cool. Oh, cool. got a helicopter flying over right now, so if you're hearing it, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, We're coming okay. to get you. That's the yeah. band that's coming to get you. Come on, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have to say, um, I've actually uh, been checking out the uh, Arizona metal scene a lot lately because I got real into a uh, death metal band from down there, Gate Creeper. Yeah. And um, you guys have a really strong, really diverse scene with some good bands. We do. There is a lot of incredible artists and bands in Arizona. And you know what? There always has been really good metal bands here. Like I said, this place was booming in the 80s. And what we had here, which was different, like in California in the 80s, you had the glam scene in L.A. and the thrash scene up in the Bay Area. In Arizona, both were matched together. You had glam bands playing with thrash bands and everything. But you always had a lot of really good professional musicians here, and it's still that way to this day. I, I know tons of bands around here that... You go watch them and you think, man, why aren't these guys touring the world? You know, but, you know, it, sometimes yeah. it's the right place at the right time or sometimes it's you know somebody or I, I don't know. We never worked really hard to get signed. Like, I got in touch with Brian Slagle at Metal Blade, and he's a really nice guy. And we submitted four different albums to him, and he turned us down. And um, I never really went after any other labels, which is probably my fault. So my thoughts was, instead of waiting for a label to find us, let's just make a bunch of records on our own label. We'll sacrifice, Marge and I will sacrifice going out to nice dinners or whatever. And she'll save her, her days off at work because at, at her job, they'll pay her for sick days or vacation if she doesn't take it. Hmm. She'll actually save a lot of those days and give us the money to go record and and we'll scrape together everything but but when i make a record with saint madness i don't listen to local bands here i listen to all my heroes uh, albums and i listen to their production and we try to come as close to that professional production as possible so yeah um bloodlust capades uh, sounds great yeah yeah, yeah i'm really I, proud of you mix and record all that stuff on your own, or you have somebody else do no, all that go, stuff? go to a studio here. It's called Mind's Eye Digital. It's owned by Larry Elia. And of our 11 albums, we've recorded like nine of them with Larry. Okay. And uh, he's just great. I mean, he's really laid back, and he has great ideas. And again, Marge calls him the fifth Beatle or the sixth Beatle. Um, <laughs> Larry, Larry's not all emotionally wrapped up in the songs. He just hears what he hears, so... If he hears something that sounds weird, he tells me, and we discuss it. And in all these years, we've never once had an argument. You know, we just work really well together. He knows what we're looking for. And you'll notice that in all our albums, if you listen to any of the other ones, we have a very drum-heavy album. Like, we, we bring the drums more up front instead of a lot of the metal bands in the 80s had the drums more in the background. 
And I don't like that. I want the cannons up front. So we pull the drums out nice and big and loud. And we do that on all the records. It's the way it should be. Well, you know, everybody's got different ear, you know. Well, I'm a drummer, so they always have to be. A guy like, oh, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) A guy like Ingbe Momstein, you know, maybe he doesn't want the drums way up front, you know. He wants the guitar. I understand that. But in our band, um, again, I want the cannons up front. You know, they're the power. And uh, so we always mix the drums loud. It always actually too. It always depends on the band too. You know, whatever sounds right with that style of music. You know, absolutely. Always absolutely. the drums don't always sound good with every style. Yeah, and and uh, in between making all these Saint Madness albums, uh, I put out a solo acoustic record in 2010 called The Edge, and I had members of Saint Madness on it, but I also pulled in other people, other musicians I knew, and had them do little parts here and there. And uh, it actually won the Phoenix Music Award for Record of the Year. And uh, we're in the middle of finishing up the follow-up now, 10 years later. Uh, we're making another one called Last Days in Paradise. And I have all the guys in St. Madness on it. And I have a violinist coming to play on the 30th. He's going to record on four songs. And he plays with, like, symphonies. And um, then I have another friend who's, like, a multi-talented musician named Dave Cornwall. And... He puts in all kinds of orchestration and a little bit of 12-string guitar here and there and things like that. But, um, again, you know, I like variety and I like all different kinds of music. So I just, you know, and in St. Madness, we we have a rule. If we write a song and we like it, we're putting it on a record. And if it's a reggae song, so be it. You know, we we don't worry and go, hey, we've got to put just 10 or 12 of the heaviest things we can come up with or... You know, if one's kind of bluesy, like, okay, on Blood Lescapades, you have the song uh, Walk Your Own Path, yep. which, mm. you know, really kind of a southern rock type of song. Mm. But I wrote the lyrics for my youngest son, Dylan, and because I didn't raise Dylan, he was raised with his mom and stepdad. So I thought, you know, I'm going to put in one song everything I wanted to say to him growing up that I couldn't say because I wasn't there. Mm. And so, um, and I, that song to me is amazing. I mean, it just came out beautiful. Yeah. Now you have another yeah, song. I that's really out. like that one. Um, yeah. Another song I dedicated to. Um, who was it dedicated to? Uh, he's writing a Harley in Heaven. My stepson John, Marge's okay. son John, unfortunately passed away July third, two thousand sixteen, right. and he was living in Detroit at the time. And the last conversation I had with him on the phone. He said, Pat, you know, all I want to do is I want to get on a bike and just ride. Mm. And so when we were talking about writing a song in tribute to him, uh, I decided to use the last things that he had said to me, you know, yeah. and put that in a song. And now, Blood Lescapades, right? When you start the record, the first thing you actually hear is the world turning. And that's actually real because I took that sample from NASA. Oh, NASA really? <laughs> built the world turning and the inner world and um, the sun. And if you go to a NASA site, they have all these done and you can, you know, they tell you this is actually what the sun sounds like. This is what the world sounds like turning. So I put those in there. The first thing you hear is the world turning and then you hear a motorcycle pull up. And that symbolizes that throughout the record, you'll hear a motorcycle either drive by you in between songs or in the middle of a song. Or it'll pull up and stop, and then it'll take off again. I did that to symbolize that John is actually listening to the record with you while you're going through it. And then the last song on the record is 
he's riding a Harley in heaven, and then at the end of it, he rides off, and you hear the hallelujah, and he rides off to heaven. Ah, it's cool. a concept. Ah, oh. oh, all right. I didn't realize that. I bear a lot of stuff in our music and in the artwork and stuff, and I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan, and mm. uh, Beatles and the Pink Floyd, they, they were the bands that started with a lot of sampling and back masking and all this stuff, and I love adding things like that because I think it makes the recording a little more 3D, like if you put yeah. on headphones, it takes you on a trip, and, right. and it has a lot of atmosphere, so yeah. I love doing stuff like that. Yeah, and a lot of bands don't do that nowadays, so it's cool to hear stuff like that. Well, a lot of kids nowadays, they don't care about a concept album. Like, they, they hear a song they like by a band, they go to Spotify, they stream it for free, and they don't care about all the other songs on the album. Yeah. It's not like you grew up and you couldn't wait for, like, your favorite band, you heard they were coming out with a record, and you couldn't wait to get that record in your hands. Yeah. It's, it's, unfortunately, it's just not like that anymore. Yeah. And then you would read the lyrics and right, and all the liner notes. Yeah. And think about it: bands sign a record deal. Well, how can you sign a record deal if there's no record anymore? Because yeah. nobody wants to pay for it. People don't want to buy your CD anymore. Right. They just want to stream it. And so, so you're not really signing a record deal anymore. You're signing a merchandise deal or something like that. Yeah. Say what were you saying, Nate? Oh, I said that's why I always recommend that. Um, music to people by the album usually. Yeah. See, Nate, even though he says he usually recommends people to buy the album, which is good because he's 20 years old, and you know that's I not usually kids his age don't don't think that way. Well, I'm just talking even listening wise. I don't recommend one song. I recommend an album that I like. I agree, and people don't understand with your favorite bands. If you don't buy their product, that band can't continue to exist. Exactly. They die off. You know. Yeah. So buy the CD even if you never play it. Just buy it because you love that band. Because when you buy the CD, a lot of that money does go to the band or a percentage. Man. But if you don't buy the CD and you buy just digital, sometimes they have to have you know 5,000 hits before they make a penny Man. on digital. So yeah. buy the CD even if you never listen to it. Just buy it to support the bands you love, whether they're underground or big major stars. Because... There was an interview with James Hetfield not that long ago, and he said that when Metallica tours, they actually lose money. Because mm -hmm. think about how many people they employ and how many semi-trucks. And, you know, as they go across the world in the country, they have to, all these people depend on them for their livelihood and, and to feed their families, you know. Yeah. And so he said they actually lose money now. Wow. And they have to deal with all the cost of putting their records out in stores as well because they have their own record. They have their own black and recording studio. It's called Black and Studio. Yeah, the the record label. Yeah. Well, remember when Lars was mad about Napster? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was right. Yeah. Unfortunately, and I was kind of mad at him too because I thought, oh, you know, rich assholes complaining about not making money. But as time went on, we all, even underground bands, now we all suffer because of it. Because. Right. Oh, they just want it for nothing, you know? And then you've got your friends calling you going, oh, I hear you're playing tonight. Can I be on the guest list? And can I have a free T-shirt? Can I? Oh, I love your band. You know, I'm like, well, okay, if you love the band, pay to get in. Yeah. You know, yeah. buy a T-shirt, you know, because that's what keeps us out there. If, if we're making money and we're a little bit successful, hell, we're not going to want to quit. We're going to keep at it, you know? But 
when you're just scraping by, you know, forever, it, it gets really difficult. And the only yeah. reason they're complaining is because they know what it's like to scrape by. And the only, yeah. the only people with the resources to speak out. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, like I said, at the time, I was kind of like, oh, Lars, shut up. You know, I was thinking, but looking back on it, I mean, the guy was right. And and he was really trying to stick up for all musicians, not just Metallica. He was trying right. to say, look, everybody's going to suffer from this. Yeah. Not only did Metallica come from, you know, being a basic bar band, a basic bar band in an underground genre like Thrash as well. For mm. Sort of a glass ceiling. Mm. I mean, nobody knew when these guys None of us knew when they came out that they were going to become the biggest metal band of all time. I mean, they became bigger than all their heroes. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah. But they did. Everyone except Ozzy. I was at a cigar shop here in town that I go to probably four or five times a week, uh, like two weeks ago. And James Hetfield walked in, for real, mm. and bought cigars. <laughs> wow. I was stunned. <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess he's yeah, in treatment so really because he's been in, yeah. in alcohol rehabilitation treatment. And uh, yeah. they have good ones here. And I guess he's probably here because, yeah, he just comes strolling in the cigar shop. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, that's, that's definitely James Hetfield. Oh, yeah. now, you just gave, now you just uh, gave his hiding place away. <laughs> yeah, and I left him alone because, you know, I went through treatment myself, and yeah. I know when you're drying out and stuff, you, you can be irritable or you kind of just want to be left alone. And so I was respectful. Believe me, I wanted to jump up and down and go, James, I'm in a band too. James, I love you guys. And James, James, James. But I didn't. I just, you know, I, I left him to himself. Yeah, well, that's good. It's All right. to do. I wanted to give him a blood oh, yeah. skip record. <laughs> <laughs> he probably already has it, though. You don't know. You never know. You know, it's funny because we're St. Madness, and then they came out with St. Anger. Right. And, uh, yeah, we we put out a song in 2000 on an album called Scare the World that is not pro-Metallica. It's a song called Money Pigs. And again, I was pissed off when they did load and reload and all that. And again, the metal scene was dying. And I used to say to Marge, at least we still have Metallica. And then they kind of switched. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, fuck that. So I wrote this song called Money Pigs and we put it out. And we actually got like a little paragraph in Rolling Stone magazine where they were saying St. Madness was trying to have a bitch fight with Metallica. <laughs> and they're kind of making fun of us. And they, the guy goes, hey, you know, Next time, um, why don't you put Visine in their coffee when they drive through the Burger King drive-through where you probably work? You know, <laughs> oh, <laughs> pretty funny. But we still got a Rolling Stone magazine. Yeah. But anyway, so right after that album came out, out. then they came out with Saint Anger, and I thought, wow, that's kind of a coincidence, you know. Yeah. So I wasn't going to approach James at the cigar shop and say, "Hey, have you heard my song?" <laughs> you were talking about metal, and you were I talking like your, favorite, is on there. Huh? your favorite of the big four is Megadeth, and you were talking switching over from metal. I mean, like even cryptic writings, they did that, right? And then like they go into risk from there. And on yes. top of that, they've got three greatest hits albums. Even Metallica right. has that. Nah. 
You know, think about it. If you think about all the Metallica albums, think about the production on Kill 'Em All and then on Ride the Lightning and Master Puppets. They had their own kind of production. Kill 'Em All had its own. And then Injustice for All with Bob Rock had a different production and then the Black Album. It would be very difficult for them to put out a best of to try to mash all those different productions together unless you went in and actually remixed all of them to try to make them sound more sonically the same level volume wise and you know what i mean where megadeth a lot of their albums are very similar production that's why we can put out best of because i went to the same co-producer for nine out of 11 albums so we could sonically make the old songs sound closer to the newer stuff and have it work together as a package. Whereas I think Metallica would probably have a difficult time of it. Yeah. What are we saying, Nate? Well, I'm saying I don't, unless you're doing it by the decades, like Maiden did, I never really see, saw the point in one, more than one best of album. Yeah. We have like two. We have two. And the reason is, like I said, in 2000, I figured the band was over, so I did a best of. And a best of for us, oh, right. um, it's not at best hits. Nah. It's the best of meaning fan favorites. They're fan right. favorite songs. And so we did another best of in 2013, uh, Carnival Metal, which you have. Again, I was thinking, well, maybe we're at the end. And then, then we decided to do Blood Luskapades, and so... You know, and we have Live 55 since Carnival. Metal. So, I, you know, I don't know where it's going from here. Yeah, I have Carnival. Metal. I just don't know where it is. I have a mess over yeah. here, so I can't find but it. But it's a fan favorite album. It's not a best greatest hits because we don't have any greatest hits. We had, we had one song that was covered by an artist bigger than us, and the punk band Guttermouth did a remake of our song, Sexual Abuse, and they put it on a record that was called Punk Goes Metal. And we ended up getting just over $10,000 in royalties from that. And we just huh. took it and put it right back in the band. Yeah. Yeah, smart thing to do. Yeah, so we didn't have any big hits or nothing, but we did have a lot of songs that the fans really enjoyed. And so I put those on the best of. Cool. Right. And it's also a different angle from like you and Megadeth. It's, it's oh, really huge. <laughs> yeah, huge different angle, right? Just a little. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I've Before met had, uh, Dave Mustaine and Ellison. They're, they're, they were Dave Mustaine. I had at least three encounters with him. I actually met them in AA at AA oh, meetings, wow. Wow. and Dave couldn't have been nicer to me every single time. He was nothing but pleasant and nice and polite. And David Ellison is a great guy. I mean, uh, when you meet him, he's just a regular guy. He doesn't throw any rock star attitude or any of that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like he does. Uh, he's Minnesota homegrown. Yeah, just a nice <laughs> person. You know, he's actually involved in his church here. And in AA, he was sponsoring young people. And, I mean, he really is a genuine, good human being. They're, they're from Minnesota, so that's why they... Uh... Yeah. I yeah, live here. You're yeah, not from here, right. For anything, really. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of bizarre. That was like out of nowhere. Yeah. Huh? Oh, shit happens, right? They're yeah, back now, so that's all that matters. But yeah. I've never been around Dave Mustaine when he's drunk, and that's when people say he was kind of a dick. And 
I think it's interesting that he got kicked out of Metallica for alcohol problems, and now James is in treatment too. And you know, yeah. I mean, they're both addicts. If anything, like the stain understands, you know. Right, he would understand. And I wish they would do one tour and have Mustaine come back. I don't care if they have three guitar players. It would three be so huge. Kick ass. It would be, be awesome. so huge. I mean, who wouldn't go to that, you know? Yeah. I'd be floor seats the moment Me they came too. out. <laughs> I'm a Metallica Me fan. Too, it's you know? That's just thing. one. Just like, give us one, you know? But I was thinking maybe it would get there when um, the when Marty Menza left, I thought, oh. hey, maybe the Elves and Mustaine in because, you know, but it didn't work out that way. Mm-hmm. I'd kill for yeah. Chris Poland back. He's my favorite Megadeth guitarist. Like, the first Megadeth yeah. album is my favorite. It feels the most cohesive and the least like the Dave Mustaine project. Yeah, so, I love So Far, oh, So Good. So That's good, too. But really? I would kill for Nick po- or, um, Chris Poland to uh, rejoin Megadeth. Yeah, he and Ellison have been doing Megadeth songs lately. Apparently, yeah, cool. Hey, that's cool. Dave's Dave, uh, and then Dave Ellison uh, bought Combat Records. Now he owns it, and yeah, he's trying. Right. He signed two bands out of here. He signed a band called Fatal Malady, which they're theatrical like we are, but they're more of uh, a mix of hardcore and melodic. And they're really good young band. And then he signed a band called Autumn's End. But then right away, their guitar player, Chris Canella, I understand, just joined Deicides. So I guess Autumn's mm-hmm. End is no. Well, that's funny now that Dave Mustaine owns the label that put out Kill Em All. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. It's a no, shame they want... don't still own the rights yeah. to Kill Em All, because that would be yeah, just right. full circle. That would <laughs> Yeah. All right. All right. I don't want you to... Uh... I don't want you to miss band I practice. Love I love yeah, it. Metallica's good. Megadeth is. I'd rather talk about this than than myself. <laughs> I see that. <laughs> I'm well, trying to sell your album, Bloodlust Capades. That, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I'll, I'll pop everybody's balloon. I only like Metallica's first two albums. Other than that, I think <laughs> yeah, it's garbage. Game, love Greg, the first shut four. Up. Yeah, he's I love the first four. You, you know, like Death Magnetic is okay. But it sounds like they were trying to cross um, Injustice for All with the Black Album. It sounds like a mix. And then uh, then, uh, Hardwired to Self-Destruct, I was like, it just didn't do much for me, you know, unfortunately. But the first four albums, to me, I I enjoy them every time I listen to them. I love Spit Out the Bone off the name. I like about three songs off of Master of Puppets and I Can Live Without and and Justice, (laughs) except for Blackened, maybe. I mean, one's a good song, but... Yeah. Yeah. But like Load and Reload, when that stuff came out, I thought, it's a load of crap, you know? But yeah. I don't like Load very much because I'm not a huge Clutch fan. But there were tons of records. Right. You know, so I'm not saying I'm yeah. right. I'm just saying it's my opinion. I don't know. It's kind of like Metallica trying to sound like Primus, and I'm not a huge Primus fan. So it's I love Primus. Primus clutch kind of bluesier. I've also whatever. done a lot of LSD. <laughs> yeah, clutch. <laughs> you know, then Metallica played Lollapalooza and everything. And, yeah. you know, 
looking back, they probably did the right thing for their band, but not necessarily the right thing for their hardcore fans. You know what I mean? Because they gained a shitload of more fans when they went more commercial and started with the Black Album. And it, it kind of pushed them over into the ACDC kind of category where, you know, who can touch ACDC? Probably nobody. Right. So, right. And that's what happened to Metallica. Really, nobody can touch them. You know, they, they are what they are, and they're the biggest of all time. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. But yeah, they are uh, they are our, our Beatles, basically, because, you know, the Beatles were huge back then, and no other right. band really did what the Beatles did until Metallica came around, and they got huge, so... Right. And you know what? On our records, our own manager, Marge, and my girls, she, she doesn't love every song. You know, she's, she's got a lot of songs where she's like, I really don't care for that, but you like it. That's fine, you know? I mean, I Kiss. don't expect... Huh? Craig said maybe Kiss, but Kiss never hit the heights, the metallic. I mean, they did selling their merch, but not, like, music-wise. Right. Right. No, and because everyone I, realizes Kiss's music is kind of... Yeah. I mean, I love Kiss. I'm it's really not wrong. nearly as good as the whole act of it, you know? Right. No. You know, it's, we'll see, like, with Metallica, though, I heard all the new wave of British heavy metal bands first, and it was like, so what? It sounded like a faster, sweet savage to me. I'm not saying it wasn't good. I'm just saying it wasn't life-changing for me Ooh. like it seems to be for so many other people. And yeah. um, but but Megadeth, on the other hand, killing is my business and peace sells. But who's buying? And so far, so good. I love so far, so good, except for the anarchy in the UK cover. I think that was a terrible choice by Dave. They never should have done it. But um, you know, yeah. that would that was different. They had a lot of jazz rhythms and shit. The guitar playing was wonky, oh, yeah. but it was amazing. Yeah, the cover of these boots was fucking awesome. I love that cover. Yeah. <laughs> What Dave Mustaine did is nothing short of a miracle, because think about it. He got kicked out of a band, and he was so resentful that it drove him to make a killer band, and he made it big with his own band. And, you know, I've heard he's upset because Metallica made a lot more money, but he made a lot of money in his own right. And how, yeah. many, people, how many people get kicked out of a band... And then out of their frustration, they put together another band and go big. I mean, he's one of the big four, you know? Yeah. I mean, he really pulled off a miracle. I, mean, that I wish I knew him better because I tell him that, you know? You have every right to be proud of yourself. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, I only ever met him once, uh, like you, after he was uh, sober and uh, um, in Jersey, he really likes uh, Ocean City down on the shore and he would always always stops in this place called mac and manco's pizza to get a slice and him and his wife happened to be in there one day and i was like holy shit it's david just said hey to him you know how you doing just yeah. basic bullshit and he was a really cool really nice guy and she's a gorgeous lady huh yes she is she is boy he, he has a gorgeous wife he really <laughs> it was strange to see Dave Mustaine wearing a Hawaiian shirt, I will say. Right? <laughs> that that was a little unexpected. But <laughs> still be better than Corpse Grinder. Corpse Grinder that that'd be funky. Yeah. Could you imagine a guy like him, like just a mountain of a man in a Hawaiian shirt? Right. <laughs> I mean they have them like that in Hawaii, but they're not white usually. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like that so even at at my level, which is underground, 
I've had a really great life. I've got to meet most of my heroes. And the biggest band we ever played with was Van Halen in 1998. But they had Gary Sharon singing, which I'm sorry to say, uh, I just fan of that. But we did get to play on that show. And um, so it was, you know, it was a huge honor. But um, even in the underground, that's why when when people get in a band and they don't make it in two years, they go, guys, we gave it our best. You know, we didn't make it. I'm like, I'm not in. I never got in music just to make it. I got in music because I love music. And I, I love writing songs. I love recording. I love the whole process of it. I love performing. I love the ritual of getting ready to uh, perform. I love the excitement of it. And, you know, if all I ever do is play in the underground, I'm just fine. You know, yeah. I've had a one time. All the heroes that you've met, did you meet one that you wish you didn't meet? Well, if you're asking if I met heroes that were kind of dicks, yeah. it's really funny. I, I went to Ace Frehley's book signing, <laughs> and they said, when you get up there, don't say anything to Ace. Just let him sign your book and move on. And I'm like, okay, but I'm not like that. So he's sitting down, I'm standing over him, and he's wearing sunglasses. And I go, so Ace, I got your new Anomaly record. That's what he had put out right before his book. I said, uh, is that your heaviest album? Because I think it is. It sounds really heavy. And he looks at me through his sunglasses. He goes, I don't know. And then he signed my book. And I started laughing, you know, because I'm like, wow, Ace Freely was a dick to me, right? And I turn around, I look at him. And he looks at me over his glasses and he goes, glad you like it. Funny <laughs> <laughs> voice, you know, I think yeah, he felt yeah. a bit of a dick, but I wasn't a everyone in Kiss is a raging dick. Well, I tell people that, look, artists, actors, politicians, they're all just people just like you and me. Sometimes they're tired. Sometimes they just had a fight with their old lady on the phone right before you met them. You know, and yeah, we'd like to say in a perfect world, be nice to every fan, and but they're just human beings, so I give them a pass on. I still love yeah, them. Yeah, but it seems almost like inherent, like genetic, with especially people like Gene Simmons. Paul Stanley and Gene couldn't have been nicer when I met them. Nice as could be. Gene's full of himself. You can see yeah, it. Yeah, and he's yeah. fucking Gene Simmons. I mean, right. I can't judge a guy because if I was in his place, maybe I'd be a hundred times worse. <laughs> you know, Paul, Paul could not have been nicer. Right. Really, really took time out for every single person that, that came to talk to him. Paul you know, was cool. like bearable. Yeah. yeah. I'm just glad he, to know that he hates everyone and kiss as much as I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Whenever I've met people, they, they've been cool. Like when I when when James Hetfield walked in the cigar shop, he was two steps in the shop, and I go, "Okay, I'm just going to ask you, are you James Hetfield?" And he goes, "Not today." And then he walked past me, and I said, "Oh, you really are, right?" And he goes, "Not today." And so I thought about, it, you know, this guy can't go out for a sandwich without people berating him. So yeah. I thought, you know. I'm just going to be cool and sit back. And I was watching him walk through the shop and he kind of looked at me out of the corner of his eye. And then he came over and sat by me and the World Series was on. And he said, so who are you rooting for in the World Series? And I said, the Astros. And he goes, so am I. And then uh, his buddies came and had his cigars and they left. But, you know, I, I just felt like this poor guy probably just wants to chill. Yeah. And I'm just I'm chill, you know. Yeah. 
So, they're just you know, the hair, right? In rehab. Uh, he, has, he hasn't gotten a haircut, right? In rehab. His hair is short. Still, still <laughs> long? It's okay. not long. What? It's short. Oh, it's short. He was growing it back again, and I was so I excited. He got a bald spot on top. And, uh, and I don't know how he fixed this. Better stop, Dio. He's Kirk Hammett. You can see, because we had seats above the stage, you can yeah. see. He's going bald in like 91. And yeah. still, it's the same hair that he had then. And I'm like, how the fuck did he do that? <laughs> it looks fine from just from below the bald spot. Yeah. Yeah. But like, so James James has a bit of a bald spot up here, you know? You never see it. Like, I understand. I mean, Lars is obvious. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It's like me. But yeah, that's I not think... the most enjoyable part of Lars. I never cared about his hair. I was like watching him draw him like a orangutan. <laughs> right. And like you were saying about Dio and Klaus Mine of uh, Scorpions. Oh, yeah. You know, they didn't care that they were going bald, and I thought that was cool, too. You know, they didn't try to wear a wig. I mean, now you got so many bands putting on wigs and stuff, and I'm like, oh. Right. But Dio even Paul Stanley like a... wears a wig. Yeah, yeah. Dio yeah, so does Gene. He's bald. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But again, it's show business, I guess, and in show business, you can do whatever you want. I think it's weirder, too, when they dye their hair once they start going gray. Like, I mean, Ozzy does it, and it looks all right, and same with when Lemmy did it, but with some people who are doing it, it does just not work. I do it, too. I was going to (laughs) say. I mean, you're in 480p. I can't even. I, I haven't. I got a little gray coming in now, but if I don't dye this shit, I got a lot of gray. And um, I just figured, you know, I like the black hair look, so I just dye it blue black. And I've been. I, mean, I, I don't married, blame you. I was married in the early 90s, and my wife at the time goes, "You know, babe, if you want to look sinister, you should go with blue black." And I said, "Well, she knew how to dye hair." And I thought, "Hey, I'm married, right? I'll dye my hair. My wife will dye my hair forever." And a year and a half later, we were divorced. And now I'm like, okay, now it's $60 to have somebody dye my hair. I learned to do it myself. And so I just started dyeing my own hair, and I've dyed it ever since. Hey, good for you, man. I was like, when artists just kind of accepted it, like Scotty, and it was like one year it was balding, and the next year it was just... (laughs) I had cancer in 05. I had cancer, and uh, I shaved my head. And I like I like the way I look bald. And to be honest with you, though, my old lady is like, she likes me to have some hair, so I don't shave it bald, but I had no problem with shaving it. You gotta suck in the sun over there, though. Be bald yeah. like that. It's hot. Yeah, it's hot. It's but I've lived here since 1986, and I love Arizona. I love the desert. You know, to me, this is home. Yeah, the must be something about it, because I know Rob Halford and Alice Cooper live out there, too. They mm-hmm. had a buddy in Phoenix who used to work at a Starbucks, and they both came in together one time and got a, got coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Rob Halford in the 80s and early 90s, he used to go out to all the local clubs and hang out with local bands. And Dave Mustaine and David Elfson showed up one night at the Mason Jar. They got on stage with a friend of mine's band and played songs with them. It was really exciting. Those were exciting times, you know, and and that's the thing that 
in so many scenes now, it seems like the bands are so discouraged and they're so beaten down now because there's hardly any labels to sign them anymore. And if they do sign you, they give you $10,000 and throw you on the road. And that's not a really good record deal, you know. A lot of labels don't have the money to put in you anymore. And I think a lot of bands just feel defeated and they don't... Uh, Here's here's something. You guys tell me what you think of this. And, and if you guys do this, I I don't mean any offense, okay? But most of the bands that I've seen in the last probably 10 years, they're all up there with half stacks or amps, and they're playing metal. And see, when, when we came out, when you played metal, you had full stacks, you had a big show, you had big sound. All the bands have gone now to just little amps or little half stacks, and I'm sorry, I just I just ain't wired that way. I can't do it. Say Madness will never play on stage with just an amp. I, as a singer, I want to feel the power coming out of the stacks behind me, and I don't use in your monitors. I like the live sound, and for me, I just can't wrap my head around that. Here, you're playing this big, aggressive, powerful music, and you're you're like spinal tap up there with stone edge right and i I don't mean to offend anybody because so many bands do that now but i'm like metal isn't metal about power and and sometimes your visual is almost as powerful as your music right right you know like in the old days when you'd go to a show and the band wasn't on yet but you'd see all their gear on stage you'd get excited you yeah. see all that sound up there, those stacks, and you'd be like, yeah, I can't wait for him to come on. Well, I've yeah. seen people there with practice amps, and mm-hmm. yeah, they might. the sound comes out the PA, it does, but it doesn't give you the same tone. Right, um, yeah. Doesn't give it's you that that's like that's like uh, you know, because I'm a drummer, and, and we're talking about Metallica, but uh, Lars, he always had that signature white and black drum kit. Mm-hmm. Every time you saw that thing, you know, you know that's you know that's Lars and that's Metallica playing You're up there. Then, now we switched it to the, the you know the little, oh, tiny drum set. Guitars. You know, yes, Kirk, Kirk's guitars are cool. But yeah, I hate when drummers. Although now I just bought a, a five-piece drum kit, but I have an eight-piece drum kit, and I always like the bigger kits. You know. Yeah. Yeah. What are you laughing at? What's so funny, Greg? Everybody else, you know. And I'm not saying go overly <laughs> crazy, but I'm just saying, like us, you know, we, we have the biggies, yeah. and, and we have the rhythm guitarist and lead guitarist, and they have full stacks of Mesa boogies. Uh, bass player plays through Ramp Peg. And, um, you know, I just, I like the big look and the big sound. And that's just because I'm old. You know, in my era, that's what you did, and I still do that. Yeah. A lot of our local bands sometimes plug into the headliner's gear just because there's no room to put extra gear. So that kind of helps boost the, the um, yeah. sound a lot of our local it, bands. When we played at Milwaukee Metal Fest, they backlined you, and basically all the bands played on, you know, unless you were headlining bands and you brought everything yourself. Mm-hmm. But all the, the bands that came from the underground from around the world, they would provide a backline of Marshall Stacks and a drum set and you know, usually it was Ampeg bass or, or whatever, right. and you played on whatever they provided. Yeah, and only things that are getting switched switched out are like pedal boards and all that crap. And cymbals, you know, yeah. foot pedals, stuff like that. You know, you bring your own guitars, and that way you can switch bands in and out quickly too. Right, especially when you got like 
eight bands in a lineup because you decided to stick three local bands before. Right. Which is cool. But I like on Phoenix, very few bands use the full stacks anymore, you know? And we're one that does, and that's, again, that's just because we're a bunch of old guys, I guess. <laughs> my, band, my band right now are way too poor for full stacks. So that's <laughs> that is but a see, big, big stacks from Wendy's. We were too, but we saved our money from the sack packs, and we wanted that, so we made sure that we got it, you know? Yeah. All right, well, we'll get the band practice. I want people to know, go pick up your uh, latest album, Bud Luskapades, right? Yeah. Uh, is, there, is there a website where people can go and pick this up at? You know what's funny? We had our own website for years, and we started getting more hits on Facebook, so we just moved everything to Facebook. So yeah. Yeah, just uh, facebook.com backslash St. Madness, I think. No. Um, but you can find us on there. And your shop's uh, link through there and everything? Yeah. And yeah. You, really, if you want to order an album, just write me personally or write the band. We'll make sure you okay. get it. All right, cool. So, All your albums are available. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. No thanks for coming I'm, on. I'm glad you came on. We, 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 I didn't expect to go this long, but you're, you're a great interviewer, so it's, it's good, great. Actually, I'm going to make I'm, you two parters now, though. <laughs> I'm so glad that Matthew hooked us up. That was really cool. Yeah, I cool. am, too. Yeah. yeah I really, uh, thank you, Matthew Schaffer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks, thanks Matthew. Matthew. <laughs> yeah, so uh, is there another album in the works coming out soon? I don't know. I don't, right now, like I said, we're all just finishing up the recording of the second. It's not really acoustic this time, though. The first album that was my solo record was all acoustic. This one has more electric instruments, so um, this album will be a little over an hour long. And as soon as we finish that, we'll focus in again about writing some new St. Madness stuff. All right, cool. Yeah. Sounds sounds good. Well, you'll be hearing from me soon at, at some point getting the rest of your albums. So. Cool. All right. Well, everybody go out and go get their uh, latest album, Blood Luskapades. I think we froze. You'll love it. No, you're still here. Oh. I think Greg probably just fell asleep because he's a kite right now. No. Oh, not, you can't hear me? Yeah, no, it just, it just froze. No, he's right. Oh, okay. It keeps freezing. Oh, yeah. does it? All right. Well, we better end it before we lose everything. Yeah, All right, again. Tonight, after rehearsal tonight, I have to run to the airport. I'm flying to Boston tonight. Oh, really? Wow, you're busy. Yeah, my 84-year-old dad is still there, so my youngest son and I are flying out there for just for the weekend. We're coming back Sunday, so. Oh, wow. Well, happy birthday to him. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, and uh, we'll have you come on when your, your next album comes out, your uh, solo project. Thank you, and hopefully then I'll have the whole band do it. We'll just sit around a table or something. Yeah, sure. Maybe we can have a, the first live band ever play something on the show. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, because we could do the the filming over at our studio where we where we rehearse, and it's it's really cool. It's got a lot of atmosphere. Right, that cool. picture oh, I cool. sent you, the picture of the band that's taken in our studio, and if you look in the background there, it's really cool. It's kind of like a, a museum to St. Madness, because... We're such an old band. We have so many banners and so much shit in there. You know, it's it's really fun just walking in there. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, I saw the picture. Very cool picture. I wish I would have saw that one earlier because I, I messed up the picture earlier. But nah, it's, it's no problem. <laughs> We've only had our rhythm guitar player for about a year, so okay, he's new. And oddly enough, he came from Colorado, 
And he was playing in a band in Colorado with our founding guitar player, Van Pearson, who after he left the band, he moved to Colorado. And, uh-huh. and he was in a band with him. So then he flew out here and joined his old band. Wow. Kind of <laughs> yeah, that's a coincidence, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot, All guys. Right. Yep. You're welcome. No problem. You too. Thanks, See you soon. All, All right. right. Good night. Bye-bye. All right. Ditcher, Spotify. Uh, what else are we on? Um, Twitter, uh, Twitter, podcast, Facebook, iTunes, Facebook, podcast, um, everywhere. RedSaladReview.com. Yeah, everything's at RedSaladReview.com. We have Timo Tolki. We have uh, the King Diamond King. Uh, broadcast uh, is, wait, this broadcast, this broadcast belongs, broadcast to, belongs them. to them. Um, what else do we have? Oh, the, um, I don't even like podcasts. Podcast. Uh, Lou yeah. Mavs um, uh, Music is Life podcast. Our show, this one, and the Album vs. Album show, and that's all I can think of at the moment. I so, think that's all we have. So go check it out, and tell them Rats Out Review sent you. Alright? Alright. Until then, we shall see you next week. Michelle. Bye. Later.
Johnny! 